1: Rx is the world's most versatile, affordable, and effective gym, and we're happy and proud that they're sponsoring the Quality of Life podcast. Hello and welcome to the Quality of Life podcast, hosted by me, Raham Harrag, the youngest Arab and the first Saudi woman to climb Everest and the Seven Summits. We speak to the biggest themes in fitness, sports, health, and nutrition in the GCC and the world. And today, we're meeting Stacy. Stacey Copland has represented England in both football and boxing. In 2018, she made history when she became the first ever British woman to win the Commonwealth title. Stacy presents on BBC Radio in the UK and runs a charity called Pave the Way. Stacey, I'm very excited to know your story. Um, I'm sure a lot of the, the listeners would like to know more about you. But to start, I would like to know something simple, but yet very complicated. Who has inspired you to be Stacey, the Stacey you are today?
2: The people who inspire me uh, are always the people that I know in my life personally. So whilst I can, you know, look up to and admire the achievements of sports people or, you know people. Who've achieved things, whether it's in business, politics, whatever uh, category of life or industry. I, I don't actually know them personally. Uh, obviously, some I do, but unless I know them personally, I'm not inspired by them. I can aspire to what they've done and admire what they've done, but the real inspirations in my life are my family and friends. Um, and often for the things that you don't get rewarded for, in the sense that people who've overcome illnesses and difficulties in life. With which you don't get a medal for it at the end you know those are the real inspirational journeys uh, that, that i take a lot of energy and inspiration from
1: absolutely i like what you said that it's the things that you don't get medals for um are the ones that are the most inspirational and it's very true unlike people there are a lot of things that inspire us so i'm very curious to know what is a book or maybe a, a a podcast or a series or in my case an audiobook because I love audiobooks that has inspired you that you would like to share with our listeners?
2: Uh, there's loads I mean I spend a lot of time in my car driving because um, I'm here there and everywhere for the different types of work <laughs> that I do and I feel like I've totally wasted my time if I've just sat in traffic sort of uh, you know letting the time drift away so like you i'm a big fan of audiobooks i mean there's there's lots that i've enjoyed i've enjoyed uh, Billie jean king's um autobiography i thought was really good that Um, has come
1: up i think i have to read that many people have mentioned mm, yeah i
2: really enjoyed that one um there's there's lots of uh podcasts that what's the most recent book i've listened to i I think the most recent one I, i will listen to emily chappell's book um which she did the transcontinental race. She's an endurance cyclist. That was really interesting. And then also the guy who ran Disney, the CEO of Disney. If I say his name, people might not know, but you'll you'll know, <laughs> you obviously heard of Disney. Who he is. And he, he was the CEO for a long time. So that was a totally different type of book, but I find there's a lot of parallels in business and sports sometimes in terms of, uh, you know, reaching your potential and having to keep going and the resilience and all of that so I find those stories really interesting in terms of podcasts Game Changers is a good one with Sue Anstis who's the, the woman who uh, produced the documentary that I was part of uh, on Netflix about women's sport so that was a really interesting that's a good podcast I like that it was of, on my yeah, list as sports well women. so yeah there's, there's a few to be honest and, um, and then obviously I listen to loads and loads of boxing podcasts uh, because you know that that's my that's my sport
1: you mentioned that you spend a lot of time in the car and of course training um but I'm curious to know what's your day-to-day like can you give us an example of a typical Stacey day and then an example of a crazy Stacey day
2: there isn't a typical one really just because I do so many different jobs so like uh this week would be a typical week in that it's here there and everywhere so yesterday uh I was on the radio today I'm on the radio, but yesterday was a regular daytime show. Tonight is sport. and presenting the football. Tomorrow I'm speaking at an event in the morning and I'm teaching a spin class in the afternoon. Um, Thursday morning I'm speaking at an event and then in the afternoon I've got my training session. I do one a week with with my coach um, who used to train me when I was a competitive fighter. Then I'm doing a boxing session with a few young boxers Uh, and then running a boxing fitness class at the night. Friday, I'm back on the radio. Friday night, um, commentating on boxing. Saturday, I'm working in radio. And then Sunday, back on the radio for the football. So it's honestly, it's it's just... Not
1: consistent at all. (laughs) No, honestly, it
2: really isn't. And for some people, like, they'll say, oh, I can't think of anything worse. But for me, it, it just really works. And I actually enjoy... Being here there and everywhere I, I like it uh, it's just sort of different for everyone
1: I think you'd be bored if it was like a you know a merry-go-round I think you would be bored if it was like I mean I complain sometimes that I, I I'm running around like crazy and Juliet knows the producer of the podcast how how crazy my schedule can get but I think I would go crazy if, if it was just you know typical boring thing so I completely relate yeah I
2: think I think the important thing is what drives you to do what you're doing um because the even though it's very very varied the different things that I do whether it's presenting on radio or doing you know regular radio doing sport doing commentary doing the pave the way stuff doing public speaking fitness classes whatever it is for me that the common thread always is to make a positive impact on others so whatever I'm doing that is always my ultimate goal and there's so many different ways of doing that that it makes sense for me to be doing lots of different things and like you sometimes it can it can tip a little bit too much one way where you like how and you start the week you think how am I actually going to get all this done how am I going to get from there to there in that time and where on earth am I going to sleep and eat and look after myself because that's something that
1: socialize yeah that's
2: something that sometimes goes right to the bottom of the pile is looking after yourself even simple stuff like having a bit of downtime managing to fit in training preparing good meals healthy meals not eating sort of just grabbing something from a shop here there and everywhere it's the, you know th- there's that element as well definitely to consider but um but ultimately yeah, I lo- I love it it really suits me and it's the right sort of lifestyle for me
1: i feel like people like us always have we wear different hats but the purpose is the same in in my case, it's always sports and adventure travel and it can come in the form of a podcast, radio, TV, or or, or a magazine, whatever. But the the, the 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 purpose is always to advance and to talk about sport. You know what I mean? Like it has just different hats, but it's the same kind of the same kind of purpose, the same kind of soul.
2: And that's why to us it makes sense. Whereas to people on the outside, they're a bit like, how do you do all this different stuff? Like you say, it's 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 about making a positive difference in my case. That's my ultimate why. Um, so that drives me whatever it is that i 'm doing
1: and I think that 's what keeps us sane is knowing that this is our purpose and this is our our, our drive. I completely relate um, you mentioned food, and I really want to know what's your diet like, and I want an honest answer when you mention what 's your cheat sheet or what's your guilty pleasure when it comes to food
2: well it's been a really interesting couple of years in terms of food and training and my relationship with it because of course for a couple of decades all and well particularly the 12 years that I was boxing after I finished playing football boxing is a weight managed sport so it's all about making weight before you can even fight so you're really meticulous about what you eat when you're in training for a fight and then of course as soon as you've had your fight you eat everything that you couldn't eat uh, during that preparation time so my whole relationship with food for all of those years was about performance about eating whatever you know helped me perform the best I could as an athlete then when I retired it was a really odd relationship with food for ages because you didn't know what to do yeah what am I what am I eating for what am I training for because when you've gone from training for a world title to then all of that being taken away it takes your identity your purpose your goals your whole sense of self it's awful um it's like a bereavement And so therefore, what are you training for? What are you eating well for, if not to be the best athlete you can be? And it took me a really long time to realise, you know, and I put loads of weight on and I wasn't feeling good at all. I didn't feel like myself. And I thought, actually, this is my body forever. And I am a person as well as being an athlete. I'm no longer an athlete, but I am a person and I've got to look after myself. And that was a turning point for me. Um, so that turning point of of reframing who I am and what matters combined with setting a goal which was a big cycle that I did in Italy this summer and then one in Montenegro that gave me that sense of purpose that I missed with sport uh, those two factors combined got me back on track Um, so I tend to be fairly fairly boring in terms of I'd, I'd rather eat similar stuff and know what I'm eating and how it gets prepared and how my body feels with it. Rather, I don't experiment much, to be honest, when I'm in training. Um, And then I've done very much what I used to do when I was boxing in that I was really strict and meticulous with it in the build-up to the cycle and straight after ate ate rubbish for, like, weeks. Um, So, yeah, now I've set my next uh, goal. I'm, I'm back in training mode and eating well again.
1: So it's kind of followed the same pattern, really. But what's the cheat sheet? What's like what's the what's the guilty pleasure? What's that meal after you've had like you've you finished the fight, after you've you know, you're tired and you just wanna have something what is that meal that you can't have too many of? well where, I
2: I d I don't really do it when I'm in training, I don't have a cheat thing because I can't. No, after, I after. So if, if I've if I've completely done my, my dole, then completely stuff like uh, Probably sweet stuff. I love ice cream um, and I love <laughs> chocolate. So yeah, it'd be probably
1: stuff like that. Okay, I love how I, it took me a while to get the true, you know, the true <laughs> cheat cheat meal in the end. Yeah, if I just said what my
2: cheat meal is, it won't say anything because everybody likes something. I think what's really important is that relationship with food. You know, that's been a, a an, and you know people might be able to relate to that in their own way, but it's it's certainly been a, a, a massive mental process for me my relationship with food, especially you since, for, for since for, retiring for yeah definitely so the cheat yeah what you enjoy is is by the way that, that that's that's um more of a side note really because everyone's got something they enjoy the really important bit is how I've had to redefine the boundaries for myself and what food means to me and, and my body I suppose that's been really important it's, it's not easy to do you know especially after retirement but uh, but yeah, the, the the stuff I like won't ever change. The ice cream, chocolate, whatever—that's that stuff. Really, not a big cake <laughs> fan
0: and
1: stuff. So, yeah, more chocolate and ice cream for me. All that good stuff with moderation, of course.
0: <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: What's your approach to wellness? How do you, how do you keep well? Do you meditate? Do you, um, in my case, for me, having a sports schedule, having a goal on a sports schedule is my approach to wellness. That, that kind of discipline, and you seem to be like a very disciplined person. So I'm very cu- curious to know: do you have a holistic approach, or are you are you like me? Do you have like a goal and you just become hyper fixated about it? How is your wellness?
2: I think if I'm if I'm training daily that's a massive difference to me it's a really important part of uh keeping me sort of feeling like myself feeling at my best um you know I feel like anything I need to do I can get done if I'm training um and, and you know pushing myself and when I when I the type of training I enjoy is I'm not I'm not very interested really in just getting on a treadmill for 20 minutes that just I don't run anymore anyway but you know whatever just a piece of cardio equipment for no apparent reason i need to be training like as hard as i possibly can that stimulates my mind and i get it for some people it's long like an hour of doing the same thing for me that doesn't work i need to be doing like a, a really intense bag session or a circuit or a hit session or something so that's what i enjoy doing uh, and if i'm doing that daily then then i feel good other than that um, time with my nieces is, is mm. just the that's absolute good. joy for me yeah nourishes my my soul and my heart really um and time with my partner uh russ who's really supportive and great to be around and my family and friends so i think that's really important and i think you value it more like you say because you're so busy that stuff sometimes there's not room for it and when you make room for it it's really really precious and valuable time isn't it with loved ones yeah. so. And that's
1: also meant it's important for you for your mental health for your for your recovery, for your emotional, you know, health as well. We can't just we're not machines. We can't just. I love that you mentioned that time with your family. I've heard so many different approaches to wellness, and this is one of the most unique ones because it's not specifically something you would associate. You know, as many people say meditation or yoga or whatever, but you said time with your family, which is very important and it's a the huge part of being. Um, mentally and emotionally um, at peace and healthy right yeah and
2: particularly with my nieces because they're two six and thirteen so uh particularly oh, wow. yeah particularly the two two-year-old Me and shalom. the six-year-old there's they're in the moment there's nothing before nothing after you know they're not in the past or in the future or worried about anything that isn't in the cute, here and now. Age. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a really wonderful thing to be around. I mean, they're hilariously funny as well, but nothing that's going on in the world matters when you're two and six. It's just what's right in front of you there and then. And I think that's Aww. a good thing to be around because you, you can be in their little world for a while. And it's uh it's a great place to be.
1: Well, you seem to be like a very proud auntie. Oh yeah, And I'm curious to know, and I'm sure the the, the listeners are curious to know, What's something you're very proud of? You were very well accomplished, but I want to know for you as as Stacy personally, what's something that you're proud of the most, or something you've achieved that to you is like the pinnacle of achievement.
2: Well, I think uh, there's two ways to answer that. The, 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 the overall, the bigger picture, if you like, is that um, no matter what I've achieved in sport, definitely the thing that I'm always proudest and what means most to me is inspiring other people. So when there's been, you know. A, a, a young athlete, or you know, anybody of any age really, who who said, "Oh, you know, that particular fight, or whatever it might be, has inspired me, or made a difference to me," or it might be a talk I've given. It, it doesn't matter what, if it's something that's inspired someone and meant something to them and made a difference to them, that will always be my my most important uh, achievements. But in terms of sport itself. When I think back to me as as a kid and my very first experience in football, um, because although there'd been a ban on women's football in 50 years from this in this country, the FA didn't officially recognise women's football till 1993. And so when I went along to my first uh, primary school training session and got picked for the team, it was a brilliant feeling playing in my very first football game, like real football goals and a real referee and all of that. Um, But at the time, there wasn't a structure for girls' football and you weren't allowed to play with the boys officially so when a parent and coach under the team recognized there was a girl they shouted across the pitch and made me leave the game and it was an awful feeling to you know be made to feel that just for doing something that you loved and yet it it didn't stop me for whatever reason and I know it does for a lot of kids and that's really sad that they don't pursue the thing they love but uh, for me at that point um, I was a seven or eight I'm not sure exactly which age but definitely seven or eight and I went home and you know said to my mum you're gonna have to cut my hair short and, and she did so I pretend to be a boy and play on the team and it, it's things like that that I look back to that mm-hmm. you know the moments of pride for me are seeing where women's football's come to now and knowing that you've been part of that in the early stages and similarly with boxing when I was 11 you know boxing and football were my whole life and I was doing all the same training that all my little lad mates were in the gym and I lived and breathed the sport used to be running around the kitchen sort of saying I was going to be a world champion and all of this and and then when I got to the age of 11 when you can usually start boxing um me and my mates who I trained with went to my granddad and said you know we're ready to box and he said right you know we'll get you carded we'll get it all sorted and he looked at me and he said you can't box kid and I said what, what do you mean he said it, well, it's illegal for females in this country and I said what and, and to me, as a little kid, illegal meant like burglary and proper crime, not a kid doing a sport. It's a crime, and I was just absolutely gutted. I couldn't believe that I wouldn't be able to do the sport I loved. So I had to wait a very, very long time. And when I finally did, you know, it went, you know, I'd, I'd had a whole career in football of, you know, going over to play in America and Brazil and Sweden and had these amazing experiences and playing in the FA Cup final and playing for England, playing abroad. It was amazing, but I'd never lost that hunger to pursue that first dream and love really of boxing and and when I did it you know it was a it was a great uh de- you know well 12 years over a decade competing of you know going all over the world to Japan and Korea and Kazakhstan Amazing. and Romania and loads of places I never would have been uh competing in the Europeans and the world championships and getting the silver medal at the Europeans was a was just an amazing moment to know that it was illegal for you to do that sport as a kid, and then stand on that podium with a medal round your neck, watching the England flag be raised. Taught me that things are possible that at one time are not. And then finally turning pro and going to Zimbabwe to fight for the Commonwealth title and becoming the first British oh, woman to win awesome. it was amazing. But I didn't get a belt, and I, you know I was told that they, they did replica belts for women and real belts for men, <laughs> and that's why they didn't have a belt. And then when I rang and asked about it when I returned from Zimbabwe, because it was a horrible moment coming through the airport and so many of mine and my coach's friends and family had come to surprise us and not having that belt to share with them was, you know, really, it was unjust. Um, And when I spoke to the head of the Commonwealth Boxing Council, and I was told about these replica belts, and I said, "Well, even if it meant paying for it with my own money, I should have had the option to have that belt because I'm never going to get that moment back of winning my first title." And I said, "How quickly can I get a real belt?" And he said, "Well, within the next couple of weeks, but they're quite expensive. So unless you've got a sugar daddy, you probably won't be able to have one." And it's really difficult People to put into words that, how, yeah, that repetitive yeah. sense of injustice that you face. But the positive, simple from as that. you
1: receiving, yeah.
2: Yeah, which is the whole point of doing sport, as we all know, to get that medal or trophy, or whatever. But the, you know, the, the positive of it, you know, fighting for that belt and saying this can't happen to a future female champion. We need a women's Commonwealth title belt.
1: You touched on it already, but I, I want to reiterate and ask again because I think it's super important for a, a trailblazer like you. What is the main challenge you faced in two of the most male-dominated sports, especially when you started? What do you think? Being is a the female, challenge? It's dead
2: easy answer. Being a female. <laughs> Just, 100%
1: yeah female. 100% the new generation don't realise what it meant for us first to go and do these things they don't realise that it wasn't a female belt they don't realise that it was against the law they don't realise these things so I, I, it's so but then, I, but then for... I
2: don't know about you but I didn't realise the stories of the women who came before me either because they weren't told so growing up I thought women just didn't want to do sport they didn't want to play football they didn't want to do boxing it was weird that I wanted to do it, and then when I found out about all these women that did want to play but they'd been banned, and that, that boxing was illegal. We're denied. Yeah, yeah, that is a very different narrative, and that's why storytelling and conversations like this are so important. Because if you don't have Super. that narrative, how it, it shapes your lens of the world.
1: Absolutely, and, and Stacey, you you. You are a huge part of this. You, you are a massive part of the change. If you didn't have the courage to go and play in the Commonwealth Games as a first female, let alone to win it, was is massive. You have opened so many doors. And without you and the courage of, of women like you, the new generation wouldn't, wouldn't be where they are today so it's really important and I and I salute you as a female in sports I salute you for your courage I know how it feels and you know it was even before my time so I can imagine how difficult it was and it's across region a lot of people think it's just in specifically in the middle east but sports was female sports were late to the game everywhere it's just a bit more pro, you know uh, prominent in some parts of the world because it till now we have some of these issues in the middle east but it's changing but you know, Title IX didn't come up till, till you know you, in our generation. So you 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 know 19, when well
2: 1972 the, Title IX in America. Yeah,
1: it, so it's in in our in our era, like it's yeah. not it wasn't like a hundred years ago. Do you know what I mean? It, it wasn't Yeah, absolutely. The women who who fought for it are well. That's are, exactly are,
2: what I'm saying, Rahar, yeah. As well, is that I I was never even aware of Title IX, and yet I went on a scholarship to America and was a beneficiary of those men and women who fought for that. You know, well, for years before I was even born, almost a decade before I was born, <laughs> and stood on their shoulders without even knowing it until I learned about it. And then it, I think it gives you that more appreciation for the opportunities you've got based on what people have fought for. And that maybe compels you to fight for the next generation as, as you and I are now compelled to do because we've learned of the opportunities we've had.
1: For us to get to where we are uh you're clearly a a success story i love your tenacity but i'm very curious and i'm sure the listeners as well um what's your mantra for success if you say if you can say you have a mantra for success what do you think that is i
2: don't i don't have a mantra for success because i just think um every obstacle that you face requires a completely different approach that's that's something that i've come across and i have had uh sort of mantras for like each tournament I've entered or each problem I've come across, but it's never been exactly the same thing. Uh, What I would say is that that why, for me, that purpose that I mentioned before, has been the the common thread through everything, is is trying to uh, have a positive impact. So thankfully you and I have got a passion for one of the most powerful things in the world, for positive impact, which is sport. So if I can use that for good, Every opportunity, I will do so. I don't have a set thing for success because it looks different to everybody. um But I would say that making a positive difference is at the core. It's also a mantra. Yeah, I think I think making a difference is at the core. Adaptive. Yeah, yeah. Being definitely. adaptive is a mantra. Yeah, I don't absolutely being able for to me. survive. Yeah, I have mean, some people it works really well, doesn't it? Having I mean, like one thing that they that works great for them, it, it doesn't for me. It has That's to, it. it. Has to change.
1: No, I, I admire that. I, I love your answer, Stacey. They're, they're all very different and out of the box. We talked about the, the past in terms of sport. We talked about the history of this, of sports. But I'm so curious to know what do you think is the future for sports in general. Um, what do you think it's like for a woman? How do you see it panning out?
2: I think this is probably the first time I've felt like there's there's no going back. Because so many times in my life, something's happened, like uh, record attendance somewhere or um, a big sort of reaction to this or equal pay here or this TV deal there, you know, bits and bobs everywhere. And I've thought, this is it. Everything's going to be different after this. And I remember thinking it all those years back when I was a youngster, a, a teenager for the FA Cup final, and there was like... 6,000 people there or something and me thinking this is it it's you know and then the week after we went back to our game there's like 20 people again and it's happened lots of times where where, whether it's something related to my career or something in a different sport or different part of the world and I've thought this is it this is the moment and it hasn't been and I think I've come to realize there isn't a moment when everything's different afterwards it's a series like the death by a thousand cuts but in a positive way (laughs) um that all these little things on their own, you know, aren't going to change everything, but accumulatively they do. Um, So whether it's, and people say, what's the big thing that needs women's sport change? There isn't a big thing. It's loads of stuff. It's, it is the TV deals. It is. and, And when I say pay, I don't necessarily mean pay in the pocket of an athlete, although that's important. I mean, investment into, the right strength and conditioning facilities, coaching facilities, nutritional advice, rehab if athletes get injured, all of that infrastructure that is what is the foundation that allows an athlete to reach their full potential and be the best athlete that can be. Attendances, crowds, getting those human stories out there so people can really buy into these athletes. All of that and more is what makes it. And that we're seeing everywhere you look. And so this is the first time that I feel like they're not just moments, this is a momentum that isn't going to change, and what's really exciting is that there's limitless possibilities for women in sport. I mean you look at the in football in the men's Premier League and you think, how much more money I mean are we going to actually be selling players for three billion pound at one point i mean it's it's ridiculous for the women's there's loads of room for expansion and in, in every sport, so that's what's really exciting, the limitless possibilities in women's sport and the momentum
1: now. Chipping at the glass ceiling, like trying slowly to, to it's increments. There, there's nothing like bigger and drastic, I think, but it's it's slowly putting the right foot forward in different aspects. Yeah. Um, there's this whole debate about men and women pay, women's pay in discrepancy. And the discrepancy comes from the amount of people who are interested in the sport. And if a sport doesn't have a good backing, I mean, a good um, infrastructure where someone can make money off it, then it won't be a sport that is feasible to pay, you know, athletes. It's, it's so deep. It's not just why aren't men and women in sport paying. No, it's so many different things that build together to get women to where they need to be. And I, I love your answer. It's and great. that's the
2: difference between equity and equality, isn't it? That it? There's no point saying, well, women don't get as many people if you're not going to put them in big stadiums, you're not going to promote it, you're not going to get a TV deal. How are you going to attract fans? It's, it's the same principle.
1: If they don't make enough money off it, yeah. You won't be able to put money in the pockets. And you, you,
2: you're dead right about that. But we've even seen it in sports where com- the, the commercial side of it isn't a factor. For us in this country, exactly. funding our you know, main Olympic sports through lottery funding, well, then that should be the exact same. And that hasn't been at times. Now, if you've got you know, your cycling team who do exactly the same training and win exactly the same amount of medals and they're funded not by fans through the gate but lottery funding core funding then it should be exactly the same and it hasn't been it is now but it hasn't been and that isn't to do with commercial that's to do with our view of undervaluing women's sport not being allowed to do the tour de France until last year how can you get women cycling to the pinnacle and earning the money that they could earn if if they're not even competing in the biggest race in the world exactly so it's it's equity sometimes not equality that's important and those big moments that you talked about when those big moments happen they've only come about because of the small increments and pe- people might only see the big thing. They've come about from gazillion things that have led you to know,
1: it. You see the loud things, but the, the, the small stuff I, I, is what makes it. Stacey, I love your insights, but I'm very curious to know what is in the future for you personally as Stacey.
2: Again, it's about um, sort of where you fit, I guess, after you've retired and how you can continue to pursue your passion for sport if, if indeed that's what you want to do. And where best that I'm only uh you know two years into retirement now so it's still early doors but I love working on the radio so I, I don't see that changing I think that's something I'll be involved with what I am starting to do more of is the boxing commentary and interviewing boxers at ringside and that's fun uh, doing yeah doing stuff like that so that perhaps will be something that I'll, I'll look to be more involved with it wasn't something I saw myself doing at first but that's more because I couldn't even watch boxing for 12 months Uh, after I retired (laughs) it I felt sick even seeing it because I was missing it that much it it was too hard to watch now I'm at a place where I can enjoy it again so uh, I see that as part of my future and then um, obviously the, the charity that I founded paved the way that's very much a big passion of mine so that that'll be involved in some way in the future and then public speaking is a great privilege so that's something that hopefully I'll continue to do as well
1: continue to to fight the fight but from behind the, the the ropes it's still the same fight it's just different parameters right
2: yeah i'd definitely rather be in the ring uh actually I doing know. it always <laughs> definitely <laughs> but you know that we all know don't when we do sport that at some point it's yeah. going to end we all know that it's just something you've yeah. got to deal with and that's but that. it doesn't really
1: end and i mean the, the your purpose as an athlete i think you know transcends just winning the competitions. I think you become a mentor, you become a beacon, you become a voice. And um, I, 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 I admire you and salute you for your for your bravery to start, Stacey. I think because of your bravery, you have to remember that now there is going to be a woman that, that wins the competition and there is a belt for her that's ready, as opposed to when you were, because you were the one that had to be stand there without a belt. So thank you for your courage. Thank you for your tenacity, for your um, your ability to, to to stand the test of time in a, a, the time in a very male dominated uh, two very male dominated the, uh, sports. So, bravo for you, and I admire you for for that journey and to continue being a voice for for all the women out there, and some men probably who have something they they dreamt of. So, I salute you for that. Thank you so much for your time today. I've learned a lot. The two sports that I'm really far of, far from but I admire nonetheless. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your incredible story, Stacey.
2: No, thanks for your kind words and and thank you. It's interesting you say about different sports because I think when, for me anyway, when anybody achieves something in women's sport, it's like a win for all of us. So it's really special that that you're doing this and sharing stories because we can all relate to it and it it galvanises you and, and fills up your petrol tank inside with positivity, which is great if we can all do that and lift each other. So, Thank you for the opportunity and thank you for what you're doing.
1: Thank you so much for listening to the Quality of Life podcast hosted by me, Ram Harreg, and produced by Pineapple Audio Production. Please follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and keep listening every Friday morning and Tuesdays for our mini bonus episodes.